So I know we talked about that Nick Jonas is on The Voice. Mm-hmm. So obviously I was trying to edit when The Voice was on. So I was upstairs. So I was trying not to watch it. But mom had it on. Mm-hmm. So every time I walked downstairs and I looked at the TV and I saw his smile, I was drawn in. <laughs> I just had to sit and I wound up watching the entire episode. I was so mad at myself. I mean, don't be mad because when I went to research the other night, I ended up watching all of that new show on Netflix called... Um, I'm not okay with this. I've seen the previews for that. How is it? It's good. It's good. I really liked it. Okay, so I need to I need to watch it. That's on my list along with a couple of other things. I loved it. I think it's based on the book, probably. Yeah. During this episode, you might hear some chirping, some oh yeah, interesting noises in the background because I'm sitting next to a tub full of chicks. Well, not full. There's huh? only four chicks and four ducks. Ings. Yeah, that's it. That's not full. They're well, really cute. Yes, they are super cute. And the reason that they're in my room is because... I know you all remember me saying that Sammy, my goose, was mm-hmm. laying on a nest of, I think at that point it was like 10 eggs. Wow. Can you eat goose eggs? You can. Are they good? It They were really good. Huh. Obviously, we didn't eat the old ones, but when well, we yeah. first noticed she was laying eggs, we, um, we grabbed a couple and they were super good. Hmm. Really good in pastries. Oh, okay. Because, you know, more egg yolk or yeah. egg yolk, egg white. Yeah. I so know what you fluffier. Mean. Yeah. But anyway, none of her eggs were viable. There weren't any babies in it, which means lovely little Dean is also a girl. However, when I went to go put the babies under her, which you you can do, you can give them surrogate babies. Right. She she didn't take kindly to motherhood. (laughs) Yeah, she hissed at them. She hissed at them. They were under her for a good maybe minute, minute and a half. Mm. And then she went to go get some food. So obviously she lifted her wings where I had put them. And then it's like, oh, what are these tiny little things? Why are they so loud? What are they doing? I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like it. Take them away. Yeah. And, And she hissed and she attacked one of the baby chicks. The baby chick is okay. They're all good. They're very spoiled. Mm hmm. They're cute, though. I have pictures of the other day I was sitting on the ground researching for this episode and I had a towel draped over my legs and I had all of them climb under my leg Oh! and they were resting in like the, the crevice of mm-hmm. behind my knee. It was super. <laughs> okay. It was super cute. I got pictures. <laughs> so. If you don't already know, I'm Rachel, and that's Grace. I'm Grace, that's Rachel. This is our podcast. We are... Myths and Misfortune. We're a paranormal and true crime podcast. And each week we pick somewhere different in the world and base our stories on that place or surrounding areas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is very much so surrounding area for me. Mm -hmm. All right. Where are we today, Rachel? This week we are in Stockholm, Sweden. My sources for the history are Wikipedia. My sources for the history are wikipedia.org or just Wikipedia. I don't know why I said .org. Britannica.com, worldtravelguide.net, and localhistories.org. Stockholm is the capital and most populated city in Sweden with 972,647 people living in the municipality, Mm -hmm. 
1.6 million in the urban area and 2.4 million in the metropolitan area. I don't know why that's a lot more than I thought. It, it it's a lot. And here's why. The city stretches across 14 islands. 14 Grace, where Lake Oh shit. <laughs> Malaren? <laughs> mm. I did not look up how to say something. <laughs> See, I got really lucky because I didn't have to look up any of mine. They were all pretty straightforward. Yeah. Like literal, literally the most sound out words that you could think of. Oh, it's mailer. The in is <laughs> silent mailer. All right. All right. Uh, where Lake Mailer flows into the Baltic Sea. It is often regarded as one of the most beautiful capital cities in the world. It is the cultural, media, political, and economic center of Sweden. It is home to some of the top-ranking universities in Europe and hosts the annual Nobel Prize ceremonies and banquet at the Stockholm Concert Hall and the Stockholm City Hall. So... Around 8,000 BC, after the Ice Age, there were many people still living in the area. However, as the temperatures dropped, they moved further south until the ground began to thaw and it was fertile enough to farm again. Hmm. Old Stockholm was built by the Vikings in 1000 CE at the intersection of the Baltic Sea and Mailer. <laughs> Gotta love my country accent. And Mailer. Mailer. All right. No, Mailer. This created tons of trade routes. Its location has appeared in Norse sagas such as Agnafit in Heimskringla. <laughs> Heimskringla. Skringla. In connection with the legendary. Legolas? Legolas, is that you? In connection with the legendary King Agne. The earliest mention of the name Stockholm dates back to 1252. Jeez. The first part of the name means fortification in German. And the second part refers to the islet Helgelandshalmen. Helgelandshalmen, which is in (laughs) central Stockholm. I am so sorry. The city is said to have been founded by Berger Jarl in order to protect Sweden from sea invasions. However, in 1520, the Danish king Christian II was able to enter the city. And on November 8th of 1520, a massacre of 100 nobles and clergymen took place that was later called the Stockholm Bloodbath. Ooh, fine. In the 17th century, the population grew a ton. This, of course, happened with the help of trade rules that were created to give Stockholm monopoly over trade between foreign merchants. In 1710, a plague killed 20,000 people. Oh, damn. And after the Great Northern War... War. War. <laughs> after the war. That was before the war. <laughs> and after the Great Northern War, the population stagnated. However, Stockholm maintained its role as the political power of Sweden and continued to develop under Gustav III. Artistic breakthroughs in the 18th and 19th centuries helped create many of the beautiful buildings within Stockholm today. Like, seriously, some of these pictures, the buildings. I know. Gorgeous. By the second half of the 19th century, Stockholm regained itself economically. New industries emerged, and Stockholm was once again a gateway trade point within Sweden. And this leads us to modern Sweden. Yay! So, short and sweet history. My history is done. It's Next. a me. It's you. Mario. <laughs> it's a me, a Mario. Okay. And I apologize for completely butchering the Swedish names. It's not going to be any better on my story, <sighs> even though I did look the names up. <laughs> yeah, we do always try to look up names sometimes it's very hard and and sometimes if it's a longer name i do tend to for 
forget to look it up sometimes i'll type right next to the word i'll type out the um like how we think it's supposed to be pronounced like when we find it and we hear it yeah like last week how i did um long duck or whatever it was oh yeah Yeah. it was long i literally typed out long duck yeah right next to it lang duck (laughs) yeah lang long duck long duck lang duck yes okay what is your story? Well, um, mine is the story behind Stockholm Syndrome. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. Please. Please tell me. I'm going to close my story real fast first. My sources for this are smithsonianmag.com, history.com, wikipedia, vintage.es, uh, I'm not sure how to say it. J-S-T-O-R dot org. And all that's interesting dot com. Woo. Okay. Let's start with Jan Eric Olsen. This guy is... I don't even know how to something explain else? this guy. He is definitely something else. So, he was a 32-year-old safe cracker. Wait. <laughs> what? Yeah, 32-year-old safe cracker. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you said space cracker. Yes. <laughs> he cracks space. He cracks space. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, he was serving a three-year sentence for grand larceny. He was kind of well-known because of this incident. He had robbed this elderly couple's home, and while he was in the midst of robbing their home... They arrived and found him there. Oh, well. And that's when the husband collapsed. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, the wife was like, oh no, go get his heart medicine. It's in the kitchen. And he did it. Well, that was super nice of him. Yeah, um, but then he continued robbing them, so... (laughs) Uh, I hope he at least called 911 for the collapsed old man. Um... This was before 911. Also, uh, I don't know when. I don't know what Stockholm's thing is, so. Okay. 119. Sure. Emergency services. I don't know. Okay, Google. Oh. Hmm. So, 90000 is the phone number to the Swedish Emergency Service that started in. 1953, and was operational until July 1996. All right. Never mind. Wow. So, I don't know. So, hopefully they called 9000. 90. Oh, 90. 000. 000. Okay. I don't know. Nine four zeros. Anyway. <laughs> so, he was in jail for that. Yeah. But the morning of August 23rd, 1973, while out on furlough... He decides he just wants to make some money. Oh, boy. So how's he going to do that? Rob a bank. Oh, well, that's... The natural um, solution. The natural solution, as we learned with uh, the Heineken kidnapping. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) So that morning, Olsen walked into a bank in the Normalmstorg town square in central Stockholm, armed with a machine gun explosives, rope, and a transistor radio. Just a little too violent for what you're trying to do, but okay. I mean, that's pretty straightforward for American bank robberies, so. Uh, Still, yeah, okay. (laughs) I mean, it's still too much. Yeah. I mean, don't rob banks is the obvious solution, but. So, (laughs) he was wearing a pair of Toy Store glasses and a thick brown wig, his cheeks had blush on them, and his reddish-brown mustache and eyebrows were dyed jet black in an attempt to conceal his identity. Yeah. How'd that work out for him? Well, we'll see. Okay. He then pulled out the loaded machine gun and fired at the ceiling. While doing so, he yelled in a fake American accent, The party has just begun. That sounds like something an American would say, so you know what? Well, he got it from a movie, um, but none of the things that I could find said what movie movie it was, so 
Obviously, the silent alarm was triggered by workers at the bank, so when police arrived, two of them went inside. Olson opened fire, hitting the hand of one of the officers, and then he ordered the other officer to sit in a chair and sing something. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. So the officer started singing Lonesome Cowboy. (sighs) Yeah. What's that from? That's Elvis Presley. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was, he, like, the idea behind it was that he would enjoy a familiar, like, song since they thought he was American. Mm. So he's like, let me sing an American Mm -hmm. song. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he then takes three female hostages into the vault and lets everyone else leave. Yeah. Okay. Once the hostages are secured, Olsen releases his demands. He later said from prison that he had banked on a deep-seated aversion to violence in Sweden, assuming that the police would grant him enormous concessions in order to avoid bloodshed. So he demanded three million Swedish kronor, which today would be a little over two million in U.S. money. Mm-hmm. A couple of guns, a bulletproof vest, helmets, and a fast car. Zoom, zoom. Presumably a getaway car. Yeah. One other thing he insisted on having was an old prison pal of his, Clark Olofsson. Olaf. Olofsson, yes. <laughs> so, let's talk about Clark Olofsson. I'm sorry, I just, Olaf, so my mind goes, Count Olaf. It's really funny, because... Um, well, I'll tell you later. Uh, <laughs> Is Olafson a count? No. Oh, okay. Clark Olafson was a 26-year-old who was serving time for armed robbery and for acting as an assess- accessory in a 1966 robbery that had gone wrong, and a police officer had been killed. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a well-known criminal, and when they were in prison together, Olsen would ask him all about his crimes because he was just, like, in awe of Olafson. Which is why when he realized he was in trouble, his first thought was to get him in there and help him out. Mm. Cool. Cool, cool. Clark had been in con- uh, in solitary confinement, so he jumped at the chance to get the fuck out of there. Oh, yeah. So news of what was happening at the bank became huge news that spread all over the country. It was actually the first televised crime in Sweden. Really? Yeah. The public... Like, because it was so, like, big over there, the public started flooding police headquarters with suggestions for ending the standoff. People got real weird with it. I'm very curious. How (laughs) weird is real weird? Um, well, the suggestions ranged from a concert of religious tunes by a Salvation Army band to sending in a swarm of angry bees to sting the men into submission. (laughs) I am right there with this swarm of angry bees. Let's um, do it. Some people suggested some other crazy shit, like making the floors all soapy so that they would slip and fall. How are you going to... Okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, you got to think, they could, at some points, go into the bank yeah. because they were locked in the vault. Oh, yeah. So I guess they could have done that, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. Sure. The police brought Olafsson, the ransom, and even a blue Ford Mustang with a full tank of gas. So, the getaway card is a blue Ford Mustang. Mm-hmm. An American car. Cool. However, authorities refused the robber's demand to leave with the hostages in tow in order to ensure a safe passage. Olsen did not like that and actually called the Swedish prime minister, threatening the life of one of the hostages. Okay. This led to a six-day standoff. Well, that is super smart. Yeah. So they're in this vault for six days. Any food, any water, I mean... No. No? Okay. The hostages, really quick, were Brigida, Lundblad, Elizabeth Oldgren, and Kristen Enmark. Olafsson, when he arrived, actually took a look around the bank and found another uh, person hiding in there in the closet and his name was Sven Safstrom. Oh, poor and Sven. They took him into the vault too. Poor Sven. Uh no. Poor baby. There's a Sven, there's an Olaf. I know, there's a Sven, <laughs> there's an Olaf. It's frozen all over. By the second day, the hostages were on a first name basis with their captors, and they became more afraid of the police than their abductors. Oh. Yeah. When the police commissioner was allowed inside to inspect the hostages' health, he noticed that the hostages were more hostile towards him, 
but seemed relaxed and happy around the people who legit were holding them the hostage. hostage. Yeah. The police chief told the press that he doubted the victims would be harmed because they had developed, quote, a rather relaxed relationship with the two men. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. One of the hostages, Kristen and Mark, actually spoke with the prime minister and pleaded with him to let the robbers take her with them. Did she have a thing for them? <clears throat> she told them that she fully trusted Clark and the robber, that she wasn't desperate, they hadn't done anything to them, and that they had been very nice. Okay. She told him that she was scared that the police were gonna, going to attack them and that they might die. She also accused the government of playing with their lives. She said, we're disgusting and... Disgusting. <laughs> we're disgusting, actually. Mm. We're disgusting and, believe it or not, having a rather good time here. Why can't they let the boys drive off with us in the car? Even uh. with threatened with physical harm, the hostages still saw compassion in their abductors. After Olsen threatened to shoot Safstrom in the leg to shake, it, shake up the police, the hostage recounted to the New Yorker, How kind, I thought he was, for saying that it was just my leg that he would shoot. Kristen tried to convince her fellow hostage to take the bullet. She said, But Sven, it's just in the leg. <laughs> it's just in the it's leg? It's just the leg. Heck, we How can kind. cut it off if you want. How kind. So kind. Not, you know, the arm or a major artery. I mean. Right, just the leg. So Olsen and Olafsen held the hostages in the bank for multiple days. No food, no water, and in a vault where it was dark. Oh. Yes. Uh, during which things kind of got weird. When Olafsen had arrived, he calmed the hostages, made them feel safe, and told them that they would be fine. He then had Olsen loose, loosen the hostages' bindings, which seemed to lead to the hostages and their captors building some sort of connection. Mm -hmm. So much so that I don't know how many times Kristen talked with the Prime Minister, but I've got her talking to him up there, but then down here it says that she called him and told him that she was very displeased with his attitude and asked him to let the robbers and the hostages leave. So, I don't know if she did it again or not, or if I wrote it wrong, but, um... Well, regardless, she's talking to the Prime Minister, so... Yeah. Uh, his name, by the way, was Olaf Palme? Palme? Sure. Anyway, I just thought Olaf. Okay. But, yeah, it, the, the day after he had literally threatened her life, like, on the phone with the Prime Minister, she was like you should really take it easy on them and let us go with them. Like, they're cool dudes. They're cool dudes. I mean... Okay. According to the hostages after the situation was over, Olofsson had draped a wool jacket over the shoulders of Kristen and Mark when she began to shiver, soothed her when she had a bad dream, and actually gave her a bullet from his gun as a keepsake. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Some sort of weird, oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Some sort of weird, oh, yeah. 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 The gunman consoled Brigitte Lundblad when she couldn't reach her family by phone and told her, try again, don't give up. Try again, don't give up. When hostage Elizabeth Oldgren complained of claustrophobia, they allowed her to walk outside the vault attached to a 30-foot rope around her neck. Yeah. Yeah. So, like... Oldgren told the New Yorker a year later that although she was leashed, I remember thinking he was very kind to allow me to leave the vault. The way Olsen and Olofsson treated their hostages earned them sympathy from them. When they treated us well, said Sven, we could think of him as an emergency god. An emergency god? An emergency god, that's the quote. <sighs> yeah. Okay. On the third day of the kidnapping, the... Well, kidnapping. Yeah. Adult... Kidnapping? Whatever. Kidnapping. The radio that Olsen had brought with him revealed that police were planning to drill a hole in the wall to inject anesthetic gas. Of course, the whole group of the people in the bank were listening. Why would they announce that over the radio? I don't think they knew that he had a radio. Okay. And, yeah, so... Olsen fired his weapon. They did uh, drill the hole, but they didn't put the anesthetic gas through it. Olsen 
did fire his weapon um, and threatened to kill the hostages if any gas attack was attempted. But through the hole, the police brought food and water because they spent the whole time without it. Yeah. On August 28th, the sixth day of the event, Jan Eric Olsen lost his temper. He shot at the hole, wounding a police officer in the hand and the face. Oops. Meanwhile, the hostages completely obeyed all of their orders, even sympathizing with them. Olsen later told the court, they made us unable to kill them. Well, good. Right. Well, that is good. Olsen said that they also went so far as to shield them so that the police couldn't shoot them. Oh, wait. The The hostages did. Oh, I thought you said the kidnap. Okay. So, ultimately, the robbers didn't physically harm the hostages, and on the night of August 28th, after more than 130 hours, the police decided to pump tear gas into the vault. Even with the hostages? Even with the hostages in, which is a little bit of a dick move, but... A little very bit of a dick move, yeah. But Olsen and Olafsson quickly surrendered. The police called for the hostages to come out first, but all of them decided to protect their abductors. Um, and Mark yelled, no, Jan and Clark go first. You'll gun them down if we do. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're like, yeah, if we leave, as soon as we're gone, you're just gonna shoot them. Yeah. So, when they came out, they all embraced, like, gave each other hugs, hugs yeah. uh, kisses, and shook hands. Even yeah. Olafsson and... Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, the abductors and the captives. Oh. Yeah. Okay. As the police seized the gunmen, two of the female hostages cried, don't hurt them, they didn't harm us. And while Kristen was wheeled away in a stretcher, she shouted, Clark, I will see you again. Oh, how sweet. (laughs) The police and the public were completely perplexed by the hostages' attachment to their captors, and police even investigated whether Kristen had plotted the robbery, too. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. The captives were just as confused, though. The day following her release, Elizabeth Oldgren asked a psychiatrist, like, is there something wrong with me? Why don't I hate them? Yeah. That, yeah. That's a valid question. It te- technically... Because it is a syndrome, yes. <laughs> yeah, but up until this point, uh, yeah. like, it was just unknown. Naturally, psychiatrists everywhere were interested in the case and compared the behavior of the victims to wartime shell shock exhibited by soldiers and explained that the hostages became emotionally indebted to their abductors and not the police for being spared death. Yeah. Later, a psychologist who had worked with the police during the kidnapping coined the term Stockholm Syndrome. Although it didn't really come into wide use until the kidnapping of heiress Patty Hearst in 1975, who assisted her captors in a series of bank robberies. Her defense didn't work, though, but I'm thinking about doing that in a different episode, so I'm not going to get into it. Ah, okay. The survival instinct is at the heart of Stockholm Syndrome. Victims live in enforced uh, enforced dependence and interpret rare or small acts of kindness in the midst of horrible conditions as good treatment, Mm. which is why they had that bond. Yeah. The hostages, uh, in particular Kristen, were continuing to display that bond of friendship with their captors, and actually they refused to testify against them during a trial. Really? Yeah. Kristen actually lied on the stand and said that Olafsson had never held a gun during the standoff. Oof. Jeez. She said she didn't want him to be punished and that if it were up to her, she would give him a medal. (laughs) Your look on your face right now. (laughs) A medal? A medal. Yeah. Because she, because he protected them. From? That's the way, exactly. Okay. Olsen was sentenced to 10 years in prison for the robbery. But Olsen didn't have to serve any time. He claimed that he didn't help Olsen, was only trying to save the hostages by keeping the situation calm, like the police asked him to. He was like, you guys legit made me go in there, so it's on you. Bye-bye. Yeah. (laughs) Which, 
Uh, you kind of understand yeah. the reasoning, but whatever, it worked for him. He has committed multiple crimes since then and been back in prison multiple times. I'm sure. Yeah, but none of that stopped the victims of the robbery from visiting their former captors in prison multiple times and developing friendships with them. In prison, Olsen received many letters from women who found him attractive, and when he was released in 1980, he actually married one of those women and had a ch- and they had a child together. Happy ending? Following his release, he's alleged to, ha- to have committed further crimes. After having been on the run from Swedish authorities for 10 years for alleged financial crimes, he turned himself into police in 2006, only to be told that the charges were no longer actively being pursued. So, so he got away. Yeah. Okay. He and his family then moved to Thailand and... He released his autobiography entitled Stockholm Syndrome in 2009. He has moved back to Sweden since and is on the straight and narrow, I guess. But, well, I mean, that's good. He has actually apologized for That is what also happened. good. However, he did write a book about it. I'm not sure how much money he got from it, but I feel like he, <laughs> he can't apologize and monetize at the same time. People think you can. I, it, yeah. I couldn't find a lot about the victims uh, nowadays except for Kristen. After everything, Kristen and Mark quit the bank, studied sociology, and became a psychotherapist for drug addicts. She did admit to having a special affection for Clark Olofsson. And recently, Kristen and Mark published a book entitled I Had Stockholm Syndrome. It's been the subject of many novels, and the kidnapping was later made into a movie. And... That's Stockholm Syndrome. At least they realize that they at least have it. Yeah. It was like... like, I can't can't imagine, like, not knowing what it is Mm -hmm. and then have, like, experiencing it. Yeah. And then being like, what the fuck is going on with me? Why do I feel this affection towards somebody who I should literally hate? What is wrong with me? (laughs) Yeah. So. But yeah, that was my story. That was, I feel like that was really fast. All right. Well, on to my story, I guess. What is it? Well, okay. So I was going to actually do a story like in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. However, I really wasn't finding anything. There were several supposedly haunted places there. Yeah. Because they do. They have a haunted ghost tour. After going through like 10 pages on Google, I wasn't able to find anything any pages with like you went past the second page i went past the second page oh my god right and like all of the web pages were just saying so and so says it's haunted ah but there were no stories yeah i think i remember you telling me that like they don't like to talk about their hauntings exactly uh yes that's the worst just accept it yeah. Well, and then I was going to try and do, like, what you did with um the ghost tour. Oh, yeah. But there wasn't but anything. They don't have anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, therefore, we are going to travel two-ish hours away for my story. No, that's okay. To... I did, like, six hours away. No. I did 50 minutes. You did six hours. Yeah, <laughs> I did six hours. Yeah. Ugh. Um, They all blend together. Yes. Yes, they do. So, my story is in Storhon, Sweden, and the story will be relatively short. So, my sources are cryptids.fandom.com, Wikipedia, newcryptozoology.fandom.com, adventuresweden.com, mentalfloss.com, oh, mysteriousuniverse.org, thelocal.se, LonelyPlanet.com, CreativeSpirits.net. Fuck. A video on YouTube. And CryptoMundo.com. All right. Goddamn. So. Studuhoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is one of those. I literally wrote Stoo-hoo. it out. <laughs> uh, okay. Shit. <laughs> Studuhoo. Yeah. Urayet is the topic of this week's story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a creature that's super similar to Nessie. Also, we can nickname it Stewie. Its cute little nickname is Storzy. 
Shorzy. Oh, Storzy. Not Shorzy. Okay. Storzy. Storzy. Got it. Or the Storz Joe monster for Americans. I thought mine was funny. I think Stewie's cute. I don't know. I kind of like Storzy. It's really cute. Since I completely butchered the actual pronunciation, (laughs) I'll be calling the creature Storzy. Storzy. Storzy is described to be a serpent or aquatic reptile with fins across its back and with the head of a dog, cat, or even a horse. Okay. It has large eyes, a long... It says flickering tongue, so I'm thinking, like, literal, yeah, snake. <laughs> I'm a snake. Uh, two pairs of stumpy legs that could also be fins, you know, okay. in all honesty, and a super powerful tail. All right. It is said to be roughly six meters long, or for us Americans, just over 19 and a half feet long. I'm so glad you made that difference, because I would have been like, is that, like... A football field? Is that, like, five feet? I don't know. (laughs) Nineteen and a half feet. I think a little bit more than nineteen and a half. Okay. It also appears to have humps to some people. Like, you know how Nessie does the little Mm -hmm. wave? Yeah. It's a water camel. Yeah, it's a water camel. Nice. Storzy lives in Lake Storhon. Was that right? Sounds right. I don't know. Which resides in the historical province of Yamtlan. The first depiction of Storzy is the Frozo runestone that is dated back to the 11th century. It depicts a long dragon-like creature wrapped all the way around the stone to the point that it can bite its own tail. Ouroboros. Yes. The next depiction is actually based on the image portrayed on the stone. Mm. In 1635, Viker Morgens I was going to say Peterson, but it's a D, not a T. So, Peterson. Peter? It could be Peter. It could be Peter. Because Petter kind of sounds pedo. <laughs> okay. Morgan's Peterson wrote the folklorist tale about the creature. Now, I'm going to I'm gonna say it. It's not that long. It's about a paragraph. Okay. It goes, a long, long time ago, two trolls, Yata and Con- Conta, Yata and Kata stood on the shores of the Great Lake, brewing a concoction in their cauldrons. They brewed and mixed and added to the liquid for days and weeks and years. They knew not what would result from their brew, but they wondered about it a great deal. One evening, there was heard a strange sound from their cauldrons. There was a wailing, a groaning, and a crying, and then suddenly a loud bang. A strange animal with a black serpentine body and a cat-like head jumped out of the cauldron and disappeared into the lake. And thus, the Powerpuff Girls (laughs) were born. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the Powerpuff Girl that is the Storzy monster. The monster enjoyed living in the lake, grew unbelievably larger, and awakened terror among the people whenever it appeared. Finally, it extended all the way around the island of Frozone. Frozone! I actually think that is what it is. Sure, I don't think it is, (laughs) but... Frozone. And could even bite its own tail. Hmm. Keltil Runsky bound the mighty monster with a strong spell, which was carved on a stone and raised on the island of Frozone. (laughs) I'm so sorry. The island of Frozone. (laughs) Frozone. The serpent was pictured on the stone. Thus was the spell to be tied till the day someone came who could read and understand the inscription on the stone. End of story. No. So we're going on a quest. That sounds like a quest. We're going on a quest. Yes. We're going to awaken the beast. We're going on a trip in a... (laughs) (laughs) In another legend written by Andreas Plantin in 1685, the creature is said to be buried beneath the stone, with its head literally being right under the stone, Oh, and its body stretching across the lake to 
Quinta by the hilly sand where its tail is buried. Apparently, since the broomstone had been laid, this legend says that no one can peacefully cross the lake and that many strange things will happen until the stone was risen and newly assembled. Ooh. Creepy, right? An increased interest in the creature occurred in 1890. There had been several sightings when a group of locals supposedly caught the creature. This oh. drew even the attention of King o- I was going to say King Arthur. Mhm. King Oscar II, who sponsored a hunt with a Swedish sea captain by the name of Dettering. This of course features, you know, whale harpoons. Right, yeah. Cuz you know that's ethical. In 1986, the Jämtland County Administrative Board declared the creature to be an endangered species really? and granted it protection. Oh my god, that's yes. so cool. This banned anyone from killing, injuring, or trapping a live animal, which may be the lake monster, or from removing or injuring the monster's eggs, row, or dwelling. That is... Until November 2005. Why? In which it was repelled. Repealed? Yes, repealed. <laughs> Sorry, repelled. Hey, either one works. I mean, I've heard people say both. Since the 1890s, there have been several sightings reported. Storzy appears to be more active in the summertime, uh, swimming super, super, super swiftly through the water, some saying roughly 45 miles per hour. Jesus. Yes. Storzy has most frequently been seen along the narrow arms of the lake south of Frozone Island. <laughs> Frozone! I'm never going to get over that. I know. That's great. Some significant sightings. Just, there's a couple. In 1839, Aaron Anderson... Anderson, sorry, and some others at Hakas watched a red-gray animal with a head of a horse and white mane swimming away from the shore. Huh. Kind of creepy. Yeah. Marta and Karen Olsen were washing clothes on a beach on October 13th, 1893, when they saw an animal's head rising and falling in the water. After throwing some stones at it, it, like, bombarded <laughs> the shore. Like, well, came yeah, rushing uh, at the shore. threw stones at it. What else Same. are you going to do? The two women ran, but then saw the animals submerge underneath the water. Mm. So, animals scared them off. That's all that matters. In 1894, an amusement park owner by the name of Maria Helen and some other citizens of Ostersund formed a company to try and capture the animal. Even Mr. King Oscar II made a financial contribution. Really? Re- this guy was, like, so into catching this thing, apparently. Yeah. They constructed a jetty into the lake and hired a Norwegian whaler, as I said before, Harpoons at the ready in order to watch for any activity. Uh, A trap was also set up under the jetty Mm. with large hooks that were baited and placed at various points around the lake. However, they did not catch anything. Wow, what a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And these traps and all the equipment are in the Yamtland Museum. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I mean, that is cool. You can see it. On July 14th, 1931, Anders Bergvist and Jonas Hansen saw two humps in the water. Anna Rom observed a gray animal about nine feet long with a powerful tail and large e- ears. Ears. <laughs> got large ears. Yes. On August 12th, 1947. <laughs> Sorry, I... I copy and pasted this and highlighted it so I would know to reword it because I didn't want oh. to reword all of this. Yeah. And now I'm giggling because its tongue moved up and down threateningly and Ooh. its eyes rolled. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Sorry. How do you... It's just like a like a rude teenager. Like, whatever. Whatever, mom. Okay. On August 10th, 1983... Karina Johnson took some photographs of a very large, quickly moving animal in the Bay of 
Brunflovkin? Brunflovkin. Sure. Sure. On June 18th, 1984, apparently an embryo of a Storzy <gasps> was found on the shore and has been in the Yamtland Museum since 1985. We need to go. We need to go to Sweden just to see this. Yes. In July 1996, there is a video of a 33 to 39 foot animal that was captured by Gunbrit Vin, Vin, sorry, Widmark while he was boating off Östersund. In August 8th, 1997, Ellen and Cecilia Hemeris saw an animal's head and one of the humps uh-huh. uh, from like only 30 feet away while they were swimming. Oh. Kind of creepy. Yeah, it's that like would be right creepy. there. I'm surprised that people actually like go swimming in it since they think that yeah. there's a giant monster there. Although, you know, people do say that um in Nolan Lake that there are like 20 foot catfish down at the bottom, so. Yeah, but that's catfish. <laughs> hey, 20 foot anything's pretty terrifying. Catfish are bottom feeders, we're safe. We're just having a stare off. Mm. Okay. Anything can go exploring. This is true. As long as it doesn't develop feet, we're good. They said that the head was very horse-like. It had two black eyes on the sides of the head. So, like a horse. The neck was... The neck was six feet long. Mm. Okay. (laughs) And the body had large, round scales. Oh. Um... They said, like, armored plates. Oh. Then a woman in Brunflo saw a serpentine monster swimming 90 feet off the shore in July of 2000. That's a water dragon. That's a water dragon. Uh, it was about 20, 25 feet long with a... And golden, sorry. And golden with a black back. So oh, okay. I'm thinking, like, very large goldfish. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Don't uh, be dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> in 2008, a group of filmmakers actually believed that they caught a video of Storzy. Ooh. Not gonna lie, it is a little compelling. The film crew had set up several underwater cameras in an attempt to capture the creature, oh. of course. The camera that actually caught the video was equipped with thermal monitoring software and showed on the video in red and blue where body heat was found on the long body of the creature. You gotta send me that. I I will. Okay. The city, of course, has fully embraced all of this, and there are eight different official monster observation spots where the creature has been seen before. Also, they have several fun little activities you can do. There is a metal sculpture of the creature in a small exhibition at the Sun Churchyard. There are also monster tracks leading from the original ferry position through mm. Roden towards the remains of the fortress Tiberinsum. Don't we think really I need said to get like a, like a language specialist to be like, Help us, because Google is not. Yes. Yes. Well, if if Google just had the features so it would pronounce it and not just give the letters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. There's also a wind-driven device that is meant to attract monsters mm. in, I'm going to say Hallen, H-A-L-L-E-N. Yeah. Sounds about right. There is also a giant set of binoculars mm. that you can search for the monster, but you can climb on it, apparently. Maybe like one of the ones that they have at like piers and stuff? Maybe. Okay, that makes more sense than what I was picturing in my head. Like giant binoculars? <laughs> just Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the way it said it. At the church of Hakas. Haka? Not sure. Haka? There is a wall painting depicting where apparently some farmers saw the monster. Ooh. In Trangsviken, there is a fountain with eggs from the lake monster. Uh-uh. I- I'm assuming they're like bronze eggs, like oh, yeah. not actual eggs. 
Then in Valzondet, you can take a photo of Osterson City through the beast silhouette. Oh, I like that. Which just sounds like super cool. Yeah. So there are a few possible explanations. Very super simple. Number one, Storzy could be a floating log. (laughs) That looks like a horse and (laughs) is multicolored and... um, Yeah. Yes. It's eyes. <laughs> Storzy could be ducks or other waterfowl, you know, swimming in a row. Okay. Okay. Mm, okay. A large fish, possibly the Wells catfish, which mm. does apparently grow up to 16 feet. But catfish are bottom feeders, Rachel. It has to come up to breathe. <laughs> that wasn't the option when I said it. <laughs> No, it wasn't. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. A misidentified boat wake. Okay. So just like waves. Yeah, I guess. I, don't, uh... I mean, some of the photos literally do just like they look like they're waves, in all honesty. Okay. And then also, one theory is that it's an unidentified species of seal. However, because the lake freezes over in the winter, they say that's kind of unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. So Unless there's some sort of underground, like... Cavern? Yeah. That'd be cool. Maybe. Yes. I like that. So, okay. That is... That's my story. Storzy. All right. The lake monster. And actually, um, on that Cryptomundo site that I was telling you about... Yeah. They translated the video that I'm about to send you... And the, like, main researcher there, when asked, is it possible that this isn't, is it possible that this isn't a monster and it's just something else? And she's like, no, no, it's definitely a monster. Okay, if anyone wants to actually watch the video, you won't be able to understand anything unless you're from Sweden or know Swedish. Yeah. (laughs) But it's basically a news clip that was shown on the news of... The video. Cool. And it's super cool. So, okay. Again, that is my story. Yep. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Myths Misfortunes. You can find us on Twitter at Myths Misfortune. Or you can search for us using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes. We do pop up. Our email is MythsAndMisfortunes at gmail.com. Our music was composed by McKean Fulbright, and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. Please rate, review, subscribe. We implore you, Yes, not necessarily in that order, but, you know. Yes. Do you. Yes, you do you. We're just, we're here to entertain. We're not telling you how to live your lives. We're just telling you the specific specific (laughs) thing that you need to do. specific. In your life. In order to live. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Yeah, bye. Bye.